Hello and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 250 and I am still vaccinated and I will remain vaccinated. That's the thing. Once you're vaccinated, you're just vaccinated. Pretty cool. Uh, I'm not fully cooked yet. I have still some more baking on my vaccination to go. Um, so I guess I'm not fully, fully vaccinated. I have both of my shots, but not the full cooking just yet. So almost there. By the time I record next week's blogcast, I will be baked. No, I won't be baked. I will be vaccinated fully, 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 fully. Anyway, uh, today's blogcast is slightly less giddy than last week's. If you if you if you're looking for some giddiness, go go back and listen to my vaccination post because that's where the giddiness lives. In this one, not so much. But uh, to keep you with me. Uh, I will let you know in advance that there is going to be an Australian song at the end of this broadcast. So maybe that's enticing. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So uh, this one is, uh, is, is it's called Remembering What Might Have Been. There was a moment there in the early days of last year where it felt like we could have had something different. And looking back at my posts from then, I see how we were poised on this needle of possibility. There was a funny kind of hope, a kind of excitement almost, that we could fundamentally alter how we do things. We could turn our weird dystopia of an experience upside down and have a transformed society. It felt like there was a moment where we could have canceled rent, could have saved untold people and businesses, could have paid folks to stay at home and created a space for a transformative moment in society. There was a kind of giddiness in the possibility, a grappling with our values and seeing how we could have a society that really cared for one another. I feel like it was close enough to taste. But of course, we didn't choose that way. We chose to go full dystopia and let half a million people die, many more to get sick or lose their homes or their jobs. It didn't have to be this way. But it's what we did. I can't say I'm surprised. I can get pretty cynical about our American default settings. What I was surprised about was how palpable the other way was for a moment. It was modeled by other countries, for one thing. There were many places that sent their populations home and paid them to stay there. There were places that swung into action in looking after its vulnerable populations. There were places that developed ways for the whole to look after one another, even in isolation. There were places that supported artists, specifically, knowing their livelihoods were decimated. Watching so many countries find ways to help their citizenry gave me a glimpse into a world where our lives might actually be valuable instead of disposable. It helped me imagine a kinder world, one that didn't require the claws and teeth of a constant struggle for survival. As a struggling artist, 
TM, I have long felt the strong undertow of Darwinian economics. It feels like my entire career in the arts is pervaded by the atmosphere of a herd constantly being culled. Life in the arts is a giant dance audition where you're waiting for your name to be called to see if you've been cut or made the cut. If you make the cut and survive to dance another round, you do not mourn those who were cut in your stead. You celebrate and dance another day. Many years ago, I remember one of my NYC theater company peers declaring that if there were companies folding, it was for the best because it cleared the field for those of us with survival skills. I pushed back on this at the time. I was concerned by the loss of our elders and how much the system favored the privileged and the young to say nothing of the white and the abled. Survival of the fittest in theater often means the survival of the richest and most privileged. It doesn't make for good art. It doesn't make a vibrant community. Survival becomes a badge of honor, and the badge gets more impressive the longer you wear it. You either make it or you don't. And while we think of making it as the mark of success, it's also just, did you make it? Did you make it out of the scary place alive? Making it can just be getting to the end of the movie when so many of the other characters were lost. I sort of thought this was just an arts thing, but watching our various governments handle this pandemic, I've realized that it's everywhere. But now it's actually life or death. The arts feel that way, but you won't actually die if you don't make the cut. You might feel like you're dying and being separated from your art, but you still survive. In real life now, if you don't operate with a certain amount of privilege, you might well actually die. Those who fled to their second houses are living through a very different pandemic than the ones who continued to work in the essential and dangerous jobs. Those were the people who the culture deemed no big deal to lose. We certainly didn't pay them much better for the risks they were taking. Hazard pay was haphazard, and we lost a lot of people. One of the things I keep thinking about is something Zainab Tufekci said in her article, Five Pandemic Mistakes, we keep repeating. She said, The poor and minority groups are dying in disproportionately large numbers for the same reasons that they suffer from many other diseases. A lifetime of disadvantages, lack of access to health care, inferior working conditions, unsafe housing, and limited financial resources. Many lacked the option of staying home precisely because they were working hard to enable others to do what they could not, by packing boxes, delivering groceries, producing food. And even those who could stay home faced other problems born of inequality. Crowded housing is associated with higher rates of COVID-19 infection and worse outcomes, likely because many of the essential workers who live in such housing bring the virus home to elderly relatives. Individual responsibility certainly had a large role to play in fighting the pandemic, but many victims had little choice in what happened to them. By disproportionately focusing on individual choices, not only did we hide the real problem, but we failed to do more to provide safe working and living conditions for everyone. That's in the Atlantic, February 26th, 2021. 
It is chilling to realize how ready to sacrifice others so many people are. This notion of personal responsibility allowed us to blame individuals rather than the systems that were killing off large numbers of people. The problem was not so much that the disease was intractable, but more that our systems are so full of holes, we were bound to lose a lot of people through them, and we did. But because, as a nation, we seem to find the notion of disposable people acceptable, we just let them all get sick and let many of them die. It feels like somehow we're in a war and are prepared to accept great losses for some reason. One of the places that this country was seemingly fine to accept great losses was in the arts. The field has been decimated. The country just shrugged. No more arts? Fine. The performing arts have been closed for a year, and only the most established and supported of organizations, or the smallest and most nimble, could survive such brutal depletion. But it's just artists. No great loss. It just didn't have to be this way. Certainly, we can blame part of it on the terrible leadership at the national level last year and also on terrible leaderships at the state and local levels as well. My governor cut funding to hospitals in the middle of all this. Does that make any sense? But as a people, I feel like we were all that dog with his coffee cup surrounded by flames saying this is fine when it was very clearly not fine. Much has been made of the great revealing of holes in our social net with this. The pandemic has shown us so many failings. But it also showed us some hope for a different way of doing things there at the beginning. The solutions that were offered then would have fixed a lot of things. If we'd paid people to stay home at first, fewer would have had to risk their lives out in the world and we'd have beat this thing by now. That simple choice would have been cheaper than all the scrambling stopgap measures that came after. If we paid out the $1.9 trillion that passed back in April of 2020, we'd already be back in business. But this country really does value money more than people. All those reopenings are not for people. They are for money. One of the riskiest things you can do is sit inside a restaurant, and yet it is one of the first things to come back, ostensibly to keep restaurants in business. But no restaurant can stay in business at 25% capacity. If we want to save restaurants, the way to do it is to cancel their rent. But... Landlords' money is more important than restaurant workers' lives, and so the dystopia continues. Sorry. Living in a dystopia where people are disposable is kind of getting me down. But remembering that moment of hope from early on, where we could have made other choices, actually gives me a little boost. We could still make choices like that. We don't have to be in a pandemic to do it. We could live in a kinder world, one where everyone gets to dance and no one gets cut. You still with me?
I know this is not the, you know, most uplifting. I'm trying to balance these out. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm sort of like doing a like one silly one and then this kind of a bummer and then another like it's fun and then okay but here's the thing I'm mad about it's kind of it's kind of uh it's bouncing up and down a little bit I hope I hope uh I don't know does it help maybe (laughs) maybe not who knows you can listen to them as you like uh when you're in the mood for you know the 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 giddiness there's vaccination posts and posts about creativity and and sometimes you just like need to sit in the gosh this is this is this is the reality uh anyway um so uh, i think this is as bummed out as i'm going to get though not going to wood i mean i i there are other angry posts up ahead, but they're like, you know, angry about little things, not like the underpinnings of the nation so far anyway. Um, so if you, if you stuck with this, it's, I don't think it's going to get any worse yet. Knock on wood. Anyway, I think it's great. Everything's going to be great from here on out ah, for sure. So the song, let's talk about the song. The song is, uh, uh, by an Australian uh, singer-songwriter called Paul Kelly. Um, it is a song called Dumb Things. If you are from here, the United States, it's possible you heard this song. Apparently, it went to number 16 on the modern rock charts. Uh, but it was not a huge... Paul Kelly was not a, a big uh, event here. Um, I was a big fan of his, um, because I saw him open for Crowded House when I was in high school in DC. It was like the first concert that I like really worked hard to get to because I was so crazy for Crowded House. Um, and I'd never heard of Paul Kelly and Paul Kelly was the opener. And, but after I saw the show, I bought the album and uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and then I totally forgot about Paul Kelly until, I don't know, a couple years ago, maybe. Uh, I can't remember what brought it up. Maybe a conversation about Australia and Australian music or something. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I decided I wanted to, to like learn some Paul Kelly songs, this one in particular, and, um, yeah, it's, it's, a a song I'm going to play on guitar, which was actually really necessary. I hadn't played guitar in so long that when I first picked it back up, I was confused <laughs> and like the shape for a D is similar, a D on the guitar is similar to the shape of a G on the ukulele, so I was just playing some, I was a mess at first. <laughs> so I feel like I can't, I can't let months go by without playing this guitar or I'll, I will, my fingers will not remember the correct, they will just get very confused. 
anyway, so that's where I was like, okay, I got to at least play this song on guitar. Um, <laughs> that was a moment where I was like, wait, <laughs> I, these are easy chords. This should not be so hard. I think I would certainly be playing guitar a lot more if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic. Um, the ukulele is more of a pandemic instrument, to be honest. It's, little, it's cheery, number one. Two, it's small. And, uh, and that is actually the main thing. Like, you know, when I'm by myself, I can, like, go take the guitar and, like, play wherever. But, like, the ukulele is, is, the, is the instrument that really fits in here uh, where I record and, and do the thing. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, ukulele, pandemic instrument of the moment. Uh, but I definitely need to make an effort to play guitar some more. Um, thank you for listening to the blogcast. If you like it, tell someone about it. Share it in the various places. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, that would be amazing. Uh, Patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis. Kofi, PayPal, all those links are in the show notes. Um, and any support is very much appreciated. And, you know, just listening is really great. So thank you for that also. It's nice to have your ears on this situation. So without further ado, uh, I will give to you dumb things. I had a, a little bit of a crisis with this song in that one of my favorite things about it is like the way he sort of drops down to a, a lower register for this line about doing all the dumb things. Um, and so like I was having to sing it really high in order to drop down to the low. And then I realized like, oh, I shouldn't like it's just a couple of it's just one line. So um, I let go one of my favorite things about this song. <laughs> but it does actually really sound better. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, it does. I tried it. I tried it both ways, and this was the, the superior way. Uh, but if you would like to hear uh, what I'm talking about, then find Paul Kelly, Dumb Things. Um, and hello to all my Australian listeners I think there are one or two of you. Hello. Um, oh, I forgot to say why I put this song here. Aside from I needed to play a song on guitar and this one is good for that. Um, the other thing is that this song is really about like making the same mistakes over and over again. And uh, I feel like that is what we are doing in this country. Um, uh, there's like lines about, you know, seeing a train coming and not getting off the track like that's basically the song is basically about all the dumb things we've done anyway so that that's why this is here I mean maybe probably you would have worked that out on your own but you know I didn't actually realize that that was what this song was about when I started working on it uh, I just thought it was like, oh, it's a guy who does dumb things. <laughs> and then I started paying attention to the lyrics. And uh, I was like, oh, it's right. Just, yeah, making big old mistakes over and over and over again. Uh, so here you go. Enjoy Paul Kelly's Dumb Things. Welcome, stranger, to the show. 
I'm the one who should be lying low. I saw the knives out, turned my back. Heard the train come and stayed right on that track. In the middle, in the middle, in the middle of a dream. I lost my shirt up on my rings. I've done all the dumb things. Caught the fever, heard the tune. Thought I loved her, hung my heart on the moon Started howling, made no sense Thought my friends would rush to my defense In the middle, in the middle, in the middle of a dream I lost my shirt, I pawned my rings I've done all the dumb things get all your good advice never stops me from going through these things twice i see the knives out i turn my back i hear the train come and stay right on that track in the middle in the middle in the middle of a dream i lost my shirt up on my rings i've done all the dumb things i melted to fix my wings I've done all the dumb things I threw my hat into the ring I've done all the dumb things I thought that I just had to sing I've done